0: Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. We trust that this podcast is an encouragement to you. If there's any way that we can pray for you, or if you have any questions about Jesus and why we serve Him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks for listening. I want to invite you to turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter Nineteen. I hope your uh, new year has started off well. Got a good start to the new year, yes? Right? Everything's brand new. You got a good start. We're gonna kind of talk about that this morning. Um, I was sick last week and wanted to start this series last week, but uh, it's okay. God has uh, God has His own plans, and so uh, Pastor John brought you a wonderful message from uh, First John, and I want to this morning talk about new beginnings. Tell me if this, if you can relate to this. The new year's coming around. We think of, man, I need to, I need to do better in this area of my life, or I need to, I need a new start in this area of my life. I need a new beginning here. And so we make resolutions, we make promises to ourselves. We say again, now I can do it. And Two months later, all of that's gone to wash, right? Um, In 1738, you're not the only one that that happens to. In 1738, literary giant Samuel Johnson wrote this in his diary. He wrote, Oh, Lord, enable me to redeem the time which I have spent in sloth. Now, something that we all might say, right? A New Year's resolution we all might make. Nineteen years later, he wrote this. "O oh God, enable me to shake off sloth and redeem the time misspent in idleness and sin by diligent application of the days yet remaining. Nineteen years later, he writes something almost the same. The reality is, if they have looked back through his journals. He, in every year from that first time, 1738, to the end of his life, every year he wrote Basically something very similar, some variation of that prayer every year from that till the year he died. Finally, in 1775, 38 years after his first resolution, he wrote this, when I look back upon resolutions and amendments I have year after year made and broken, why do I yet try and resolve again? <laughs> We all can kind of ask that question, don't we? He said, I try because reformation is necessary. We all need that. And despair is criminal. Now, Samuel Samuel Johnson is not wrong about that. But the reality is Samuel Johnson is just describing life. Amen? Amen. He's just describing life. We start every year thinking, this is the year that I'm going to have victory in this area of my life. This is the year when, this, when I'm going to start this and, and it's going to last. This is the year I resolve to turn over a new leaf and, and here's what we do, right? And this year I'm serious. I really mean it this year. We promise ourselves to quit bad habits and start new ones. We're going to overcome that recurring sin. We're going to have more commitment to Christ. We are going to get in shape, eat better, waste less time, be more content, be more disciplined, be a better father, be a better husband, be a better mom or, or wife. We promise ourselves and make all those kinds of resolutions. And then 12 months later, most of the time, a lot sooner, we've fallen short again. Amen? So what needs to happen if we truly want a new start that lasts? Um, What does that really look like? What does lasting change really look like in our lives? How can we make sure that the changes we make are going to last? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a very familiar story. We're going to talk about someone who experienced real lasting change. Someone whose whole life was turned around. It's a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And yes, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Right? A wee little man was he. You know, I, I bet Zacchaeus would not like that song. Amen? <laughs> Some of you guys, would you want that song? song about you? you wouldn't want that song. Song about you. Um, and so we sing that and we think of this as kind of a kid's story. But friends, we can learn so so very much from uh, this fairly brief story about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. His story is well known, but I believe we can, specifically, I want to share with you three indicators of lasting change. Zac- Zac- Zacchaeus's life was changed forever in the account we have here in Luke chapter 19. So take a look at it with me, if you will. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin in verse 1. Verse 1 says then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was say it with me. rich. He was rich. Listen, I don't think it's any um, I don't think it's um, uh, any coincidence and it was uh, uh not too just I think the last chapter maybe uh Uh, just not long before this that Luke talks about the rich young ruler and here he tells another story about another rich man named Zacchaeus who lived in what city? Jericho, we just saw there and had what kind of profession? He was a tax collector. Now, most of you have heard this before and you know a little bit about tax collectors back in in that day. Tax tax collectors were, were hated by Jews in in general. They were Jews, but they were Jews who had a job of collecting taxes for the Roman government. Um, You see, tax franchises, if you will, I don't know if they would use that word, but tax franchises were sold to the highest bidder. The, The tax collector, once they were the highest bidder, then had the responsibility of collecting taxes for the hated Roman government. But the way they made their money was they charged the people more than what they had to pass on to the Romans. Well, as you can imagine, being in that spot and having the authority of the Roman government behind them, they gouged people and charged more than what uh, was fair many times. And so tax collectors were hated. They were despised. You will see in Scripture that normally when it is listed and talked about as sinners, tax collectors are lumped in right with them. In fact, they were considered unclean and weren't allowed to enter into the synagogue. So that, yes, they became very rich, but there were some other social issues that they had to deal with. Now, Zacchaeus here, it says, was a chief tax collector, which means that he was the head of a region of other tax collectors. So As they collected taxes and sent it on to the Roman government, they also had to send some to him, and he had to make sure it was all taken care of, probably himself also collecting others. So whereas even just being a tax collector would have made you wealthy, Zacchaeus was, we might say, loaded. Okay? He had lots of money. He was not hurting at all. But... Even though he was rich, <clears throat> even though he had materially everything that he probably wanted to have, verse three tells us this, says he wanted to see Jesus, says he sought to see who Jesus was. Now, why did Zacchaeus care about who Jesus was? Was he curious? Did he hear about all the miracles Jesus had done, about Jesus' teaching and how um, Uh, how he taught with authority and wanted to see him because of that. Maybe maybe Zacchaeus had a stirring in his heart. Maybe he heard the rumors. Is this the Messiah? Um, Zacchaeus decided that he had to see this Jesus for himself. But look at verse 3 again. It says he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not. Why? Because he was short says, because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So Zacchaeus, because he was short, could not see over the crowd, but he wanted to see Jesus. Here, I believe we see the first indicator, the first mark of true, real, lasting change. So if you got your outline this morning, take that if you will. We'll help you fill that in this morning. Number one, the first indicator of lasting change is this, friends, lasting change is accompanied by genuine humility, by genuine humility. Um, here's how I believe we know that Zacchaeus really uh, had something stirring in his heart about of, a of, of change. Look at what he does. So we know he's short. He can't see over the tall people. He can't see through. He wants to see Jesus. Jesus is coming to town. A crowd has not only, not just a small crowd, so many people have crowded around him that Zacchaeus can't see him. He knows Jesus is in the midst of them, but he can't see them. So what does he do? Look at verse four. Verse four tells us, so he ran ahead. Okay, now just think about this just for a minute. Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. Had a lot of power, had a lot of, used to having a lot of authority over people, probably dressed in a very expensive garment. Gathers up his garment. They they called it girded up your loins, right? And ran to get ahead of the crowd. What does he do next? It says not only did he run ahead, but he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. How many of you love climbing trees when you're a kid? Okay, a lot of you. How many of you love climbing trees as an adult? Okay. One. One. Um, Maybe a couple. Um, How many of you actively climb trees as an adult? Should I say that? Okay. There we go. Um, Listen, you can understand this for for a kid, right? Um, a, A child. Wanting to see Jesus, couldn't see over. In fact, you know what I was thinking? Sometimes, you know, you read Scripture and you think about this, and um, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the writers of Scripture give us exactly what we need and what God wants us to have. But I love to imagine um, the kind of the in-between the verses, okay? Why did Zacchaeus decide to run ahead and climb up into a tree? Could it have been because maybe kids were already doing that? Maybe because the kids couldn't get to the front. Now, you would think a man of Zacchaeus' stature, somebody who, was, uh, uh, who, who had authority over others, maybe he would push his way to the front. You know, I, could, uh, I kind of imagine Zacchaeus, um, before what happened to him here, being maybe a Napoleon type, right? Hey, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> Just kind of pushing his way to the front. You know, I can imagine him doing that. I can imagine kids running ahead and climbing up into a tree, but not a grown man. Just think about that for a minute. How many of you grown men would climb a tree to see your favorite athlete? No, I wouldn't. Listen, ain't, no, no, no no man, no man, understand what I'm saying there, I don't believe no man is worth seeing that much, okay? For me to climb a tree in a suit, okay? That's really what we're talking about doing here. Yet Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. Why? Because he knew Jesus was gonna pass right by. I want you to think about the humility that that took on the the part of Zacchaeus. He wasn't concerned about his pride. He wasn't concerned about his dignity. He wasn't concerned about how it looked or or what people may have thought about him in that moment. (laughs) Ha ha, Zacchaeus has climbed a tree. He wasn't concerned about all that stuff. All he was concerned about was one thing. Being able to see Jesus. Friend, are you that concerned? Does it? Is it that important to you to see Jesus, to meet him, to be in his presence? You say, well, pastor, I can be in his presence anywhere. To worship with God's people. Are the things of Christ that important to us that we're willing to set aside our pride and our ego and humble ourselves? like a little child friends if we want true lasting change we better not be concerned about our pride we better not be concerned about our ego because you'll take your ego to the grave and to hell So a lot of people with big egos going to be in hell what we need to be concerned about, friends, rather than how things look or what other people think, friends, what we need to be concerned about is what needs to change. We need to be concerned about uh, uh, recognizing our sin and, and uh, being sorry, truly godly, truly having godly sorrow for our sin and admitting where we are wrong and admitting that we fall short of an awesome, holy God. Amen? And admitting not just that we have a problem, but I am the problem. What's the problem in our world today? We could list all sorts of evils, friend, but all those evils start in the heart of a person. Every single one of them. And the only way they're going to change, and the problem is we contribute to so many of them. The problem is our hearts need to get right. With Jesus. And just like Zacchaeus, we need to be willing to humble ourselves, admit it, own it, that we are the problem. Number two, not only is lasting change and must lasting change, if it's going to last, okay, because change may not, there may, we may we may want to change and not have any humility in this. How many of you have seen an athlete stand up after they've been caught doing something or been arrested or something another and got up and said, you know what, I'm, just, I'm not that kind of person. That doesn't characterize my character. And they get up and they're trying to defend what type of person they are when what they really need to do, what we all really need to do is, you know what, I messed up. I sinned. I am in error and I don't have anybody else to blame other than me. Lasting change must be accompanied by genuine humility. Number 2. Not only must it must must it be accompanied by genuine humility, but lasting change also must be accompanied by submissive obedience. By submissive obedience. We see this here in our scripture in a very simple way. Look at verse five. Verse five says this, it says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Hurry up and come down, Zacchaeus. For today I must stay at your house. Now, friends, it's one thing for Jesus to want to go to Zacchaeus' house. You know, that had to make Zacchaeus feel good, right? Hey, Jesus, Jesus is wanting to come to my house. But, But here's, I believe, the incredible part. Here's the supernatural part to this. Jesus, first of all, Jesus notices Zacchaeus in the midst of all of that crowd. Zac- Jesus is surrounded by people. People are just are inundating him with wanting things, I'm sure, and wanting healing and wanting to hear from him. And Jesus, Jesus, do this for me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I just hear the crowd over and over. And Jesus stops and notices Zacchaeus up in the tree. Now, some of you may say, but you know what? He was up in a tree. Of course you're going to notice him. Well, I already mentioned this. I, we don't know this from Scripture or not. I don't believe Zacchaeus was up in that tree by himself. I believe either there were other kids up, the, up in the tree with him or others followed him up in the tree. I could be wrong about that. Maybe not. But but Zacchaeus, maybe he, Jesus noticed him just because he's up in that tree. But if even if he did, here's the other amazing part. He called him by name. He called him by name. I believe it was that. I believe, okay, we don't know this from script, but I believe it was at that moment Zacchaeus knew it. Zacchaeus knew that this man, this man known as Jesus of Nazareth, was who the rumors said he was, the Messiah, the Savior, God in the flesh. How in the world does he know my name? Look how Zacchaeus responded. Verse 6, what does it say he did? It says, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So Jesus gave Zacchaeus two commands, hurry and come down. And what did Zacchaeus do? He hurried and got down and received Jesus joyfully and took him to his house. Um, He did exactly what Jesus said to do. Now, we may not think much about that. We may think, well, of course he did. But here's a man of great wealth. Here's a man of great power submitting himself to and obeying the word of an itinerant preacher and rabbi. I think that's pretty astounding. Friends, here's the problem. With Zacchaeus, what does Zacchaeus do? He, he does what Jesus calls him to do immediately. He obeys. You know what our problem is? We are naturally rebellious and we want to do our own thing. We don't want to listen to anybody else, we, we don't want anybody else telling us what to do. We are not naturally obedient. In fact, we are naturally disobedient people. What riles up most people's feathers is when somebody in authority, ain't, gonna, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, Right? That's just kind of the attitude we have. And we don't like anybody else, much less God. And sometimes we don't even want to admit that. We don't want anybody else, sometimes even God, telling us what to do or ruling our lives. Yet, here is Zacchaeus doing that exact thing. Doing exactly what Jesus called him to do. Friends, a mark or sign of true repentance and change is a willingness to do what those in authority over us tell us to do. That's a sign of a humble heart. That's the sign of a heart that's not set on your own way, but that is set on God's way. Amen? A willingness to submit to his authority. He's the ultimate authority in our life. Amen? But also to other authorities in our lives. Listen, I'll admit it. uh, you know, sometimes somebody tells me to do something and I'm just kind of like, I don't want to do that. You're not going to tell me what to do. That's not a good attitude. I can have a pretty stinky attitude sometimes when I just allow my pride and my own little I'm going to do things my way kind of attitude to do You know, that's the Sinatra, right? I, I did it my way. Well, you can do it your way all the way to hell if you want to. Here's what I believe one of the big things life is about, one of the big things we need to learn in life. And it's very simple. That he is God and we are not. We want to be God of our own lives. And we need to come to the understanding that we are not God of our own lives. And through life, one of the things I think we learn when it comes down to it, is that life is out of our control. We, can, we try to control it, and we stress out, and we get all in a tizzy and all things when we can't do all of that. And so one of the major lessons of life that God wants us to learn is that we're not in control. He's in control. And submit ourselves to him. And I believe when we come to that point, That's the point of peace we come to when we submit our lives, yes, in faith and trust and salvation to Jesus Christ, but when we submit fully to his lordship and say, Jesus, you're Lord, you've got it all. Yeah, I understand. You know what? That little me inside of me wants to, every every morning, many times, wants to climb back up on the throne of my life, and I have to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him over and over and over again. Friends, just as Zacchaeus came down and obeyed, that's what God is looking for from us. You know, when we think about change, <clears throat> I was thinking about this, and I believe change is temporary when it's just what we want to do. Just think about this with me for a minute, okay? Let me explain what I mean. Change is temporary when it's just what we want to do. And here's why. Because it won't be long before we change our minds to want to do something else. Amen? Or we change our minds to go back to the way it was before. When the change is just based on what we want to do, then then that change is just temporary. Friends, what we need to do in order to make change lasting and permanent is to submit our will to God's will. When we surrender our will to God's will, we take his lead on our direction. We take his lead on the path we'll take, not our own. So the resulting change is dependent upon him. The change is permanent because it's his idea and not mine. And I've I've decided to follow him, and therefore, I'm going to that change is a permanent change of him at the helm of my life. Submissive obedience must be a part of change for it to be lasting change. Submissive obedience to the Lord and to what he wants in our life. Genuine humility, submissive obedience. And third, the third Indicator or mark of lasting change that we see here is this, friends, and it is that lasting change is an aco- is accompanied by a desire to do right, a desire to do what is right. Look at verse seven. <clears throat> Jesus said, "Zacchaeus, come on, we're going to go to your house." He says, "Okay, let's go." Verse seven says, but when they saw it, they all complained now who's the they? I believe it's the crowd. It's just oh, the whole crowd they saw it, they complained saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. These were all the Jews was it I believe it was probably led by the Jewish religious leaders, those Pharisees, Sadducees, those who didn't like neither Jesus nor Zacchaeus but uh it was really all of them. Listen, all, all the Jews hated, knew who Zacchaeus was. He knew he was a tax collector, and they all hated him. They said, listen, so why is Jesus going to the house of a man who's a sinner? See how they thought about tax collectors? Uh, so, so they didn't understand why Jesus would go to his house. But, but Jesus saw something. Jesus saw Zacchaeus' his heart. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Now, again, <clears throat> when Scripture tells us a story like this, there's not really enough room to tell us every little thing. So there's a little bit missing here. Obviously, they went to Zacchaeus' house. I believe there's, um, there, before verse 8, somewhere in that, they, you know, Jesus and Zacchaeus, probably others too, went to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus made a meal for Jesus, and here he is, uh, after they've eaten, probably, in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Now, think about this. This is probably after they've had conversations, after they've talked. They've had, been able to, uh, uh, Jesus has spoken into Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore four, fourfold. Friends, Zacchaeus demonstrates here a desire to do right. Now, please don't misunderstand what's going on here. It is not that Zacchaeus' actions saved him. It's not that Zacchaeus' actions gave him favor with Jesus. What's going on here is that Zacchaeus' actions reflect the change that's happened in his heart. What was the main thing that was Zacchaeus' God before? Money. Money was his God. And something happened to Zacchaeus that day, as we're going to see what Jesus says here in just a few minutes. And when Zacchaeus saw Jesus, I believe, just personally, I believe when Jesus called his name, Zacchaeus believed and received Jesus. Or who he was—the Messiah, the Savior of the world—and God changed his heart in an an instant. Here in verse eight, we see the effects of that. First of all, we see that Zacchaeus acknowledges Jesus as Lord. What does he say here? He says, "Look, Lord." He acknowledges Jesus as his master. That's huge for Zacchaeus. Amen. He took money, not going to be his master anymore. Jesus is his master and lest you doubt that look at what he says next he says next of all I give half of my goods to the poor friends Zacchaeus secondly here goes from being a taker to being a giver he goes from wanting to defraud people and and cheat people and 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 steal from people to to, to being a giver to being selfless to being generous towards others to being a benefactor that's a that's a 180 degree change, amen? He wasn't going to try to defraud people anymore. And third, now he has a desire to do right. Where did that come from? It only comes from the change Jesus made in his life. Look at what he says next. He says, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, probably better way to translate that is, if I have defrauded anyone, let me just ask you a question, had he? Yes. You know, absolutely he had. He was a tax collector. Everybody knew he had. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, I restore fourfold. In other words, he was gonna give back four times the amount he had taken from anybody. Now that would have taken some time. Amen. But Zacchaeus recognized the wrongs that he had done. He owned it and he wanted to make them right. Listen, I don't believe this is a formula. I don't believe this is a formula that if we've wronged somebody, we got to make it right four times over and so forth. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. I don't believe that's what Luke's trying to say here. Um, Yes, fourfold was the maximum restitution required by the Old Testament law. I believe that's probably why Zacchaeus said this, but I don't believe that's important. What's important here is that now Zacchaeus wants to make things right. He now had a desire to do what is right, which is evidence, which is a mark, which is an indicator of a changed heart. Look at how Jesus responds. In verse nine, Jesus says in verse nine, said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now, a couple of very interesting things here. He says, today salvation has come to this house. So it is as a result of what happened that day Of Zacchaeus receiving Jesus, not just into his home, but into his life. Listen, um, the change in Zacchaeus, do you know that tradition has it? This is not not in in the Bible, but tradition says that Zacchaeus was later appointed bishop of Caesarea. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know where else it would have come from uh, if it wasn't, but we don't know for sure if it was or not. But evidently... That possibly giving evidence that Zacchaeus's change here was lasting change, in addition to just what Jesus says that today salvation has come to this house. He says something interesting here at the end. He says, Because he also is a son of Abraham. What do you mean by that? The reality is, Zacchaeus was already a Jew, he was already physically a son of Abraham. So it wasn't the fact that because he was a Jew, he was saved. In fact, something happened that day. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. It is that day that he became a son of Abraham. What's he talking about if he's not talking about physically? Friends, he's talking about spiritually. That, 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 that on this day, Zacchaeus put his faith and trust in Christ as his savior and became a son of Abraham through faith. Verse 10, Jesus sums it up. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, Zacchaeus was lost, but now he is what? Found. And the change in Zacchaeus was a change that lasted. A forever change. Friend, the same can happen for you. Lasting change, I believe, is possible. If you will humble yourself before the Lord and admit your sin, admit your shortcomings, admit your need for Christ, and maybe even just your inability to change whatever it is that you are wanting to change in this new year, Admitting that you need to change. If you would be willing to humble yourself before the Lord. Second, if you would be willing to submit yourself to him. If you'd be willing to submit yourself to him and his lordship in your life. Just as Zacchaeus was obedient unto Christ. Friends, here's what submission means. It means that I'm going to do things God's way and not my way. You say, well, pastor, that's so hard to figure out. I know, but start with the stuff that we do know. Amen? you'd be willing to submit yourself to him in whatever area it is, maybe in your entire life, friends, then God will do a work in your heart and will give you a desire to do right and you will experience lasting change. Amen? It's exactly what happened to a man by the name of Jerome Allen. Some people might say that having a face tattoo makes you look like a criminal. But in the case of Jerome Allen, it was his tattoos that helped pave the way for his freedom. You see, Jerome Allen had previously pled guilty to a string of bank robberies in the Sacramento, California area. However, his plea deal with prosecutors came under intense scrutiny once it came to light that police had altered his photo in a police lineup. In order... To make his photo match the description of the suspect in the robberies, a police forensic artist used di- digital image editing tools to paint over several of Allen's facial tattoos. The police artist likened it to electronic makeup. Now, you would think that would have gotten him free, right? Well, not exactly. But the outcry over this image manipulation wasn't enough to convince the U.S. District Court judge to suppress the photo lineup as evidence. However, Allen had already spent the last three years of his life working to rehabilitate his life, working to steer others, even youth, away from the same lifestyle of crime and violence that previously ensnared him. The judge was impressed by his effort and by the advocacy coming not only from his attorney, but also from the local prosecutor. Here's, I want you to listen to what the local prosecutor testified. He said, this case has the possibility of becoming extraordinary. Jerome Allen can lead the community and show our community that the criminal justice system actually recognizes you for the changes you make. In the end, the judge gave Allen a sentence of time served and three years of supervised release. The judge spoke and addressed him directly. Saying this, he said, I believe in redemption. I believe in giving you an opportunity to show that your changes are deep and lasting. To which Alan responded. He said, I accept responsibility for my actions. I come from a really hard background and realize that I need to change. I accept the sentence the judge has given me. I'm thankful for the people who never gave up on me when I gave up on myself And I'm thankful for the changes God has helped me make in my life. With the Lord's help, now, I just want to do what's right. Oh, that we can see that kind of change more. Amen? Friends, as we seek to make lasting changes in 2022. Yes, it's hard to believe, but we're in 2022. Let us get on our knees before God. Whether literally or figuratively, let us humble ourselves before him. Amen? Let us submit ourselves in full obedience to him. God, it's your way, not my way. I submit myself to you. And let's let him change our hearts and make us where we want to do what is right. That will be real Lasting change. Amen? Where are you? What New Year's resolutions have you made? What things in your life do you need to surrender and submit to him? Maybe this morning you need to trust him as your Savior, and for the first time you need to say, you know what, Jesus, I trust you and I believe you and I surrender my heart and my life to you. Man, we'll celebrate with you. Maybe you're here this morning and there are some things that you know shouldn't be a part of your life. And you've come to him over and over and over again. Number one, have you taken ownership for that? That's, I am the reason. I need to own that. Have you accepted the fact that his way is better than your way? And have you submitted to him in that? Would you do that today? Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, Lord, I pray for those who are here, I pray for those who are watching online. Lord, that we'll be able to submit this morning our hearts and our lives, our resolutions, our want tos, our shouldas, our wouldas, our couldas, all to you and let you be Lord over it all. Lord, we often are so focused on ourselves and what we want that many times we don't even pay attention to what, how you want us to live our lives, the righteousness that you want us to live by. So Lord, today... I ask you to come in, Lord. Holy Spirit, do a work in our hearts to convict us of our sin, convict us of our need for you. And help us to surrender fully and completely. It's in your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks, and have a great week.